duty to shine the light of truth, to bring justice to the restless souls whose lives were lost to their hands. Rise up against the evildoers of this world so that their souls may have peace. We will not surrender. We will fight. We will stand for what is right because we are the Justice Warriors. Hello, Justice Warriors. I'm Heather Cohen. And I'm Tracy Ellis. As you can tell, Tracy and I have been busy making podcasts for you lately. If there's anything good that has come out of the COVID pandemic, it's that it has given us time to sit down and look closer at some of these other cases that we've been wanting to share with you. This is our 24th episode, and it's only a glimpse into the tremendous amount of cases that Tracy and I have been involved with in one way or another, whether it was volunteering to search or just being an advocate. Every single one of these cases is just absolutely heart-wrenching in its own way. This case is no exception. Jonathan Trumbull was just 18 years old when he took a bullet to the head that claimed his own life on Christmas night. Earlier that day, he was opening presents with his family and having a great time. Afterward, he went and ate with his best friend, Stephen, at the China King. And what happened after that is what has left his mother's soul tortured and tormented. And she is here with us today to explain to you why. Heather, thank you for coming on the show. I know this must be really hard. Yeah, it's, it's, been, um, it's been very, very hard. And um, like I said, you know, um, our family just wants some answers and we haven't gotten them. and um, you know, we're just hoping somebody will come forward with something because, uh, like I said, Jonathan was, you know, he had just barely turned 18, you know. He had his whole life ahead of him. I understand. Heather, what kind of kid was Jonathan? What was his personality like? Oh, wow. Jonathan was funny. He was a character. He was always trying to, you know, play a joke on somebody or, you know, if you were upset, he would make you laugh and smile. And then he would always say, uh, you know, me and him were close. We would joke with each other just a whole lot. And he would call it checking, you know. <laughs> and we sat there and knew that, you know, all day. But, you know, he ran to some bad patches, but he was a good kid, you know, uh, very good-hearted, um, very forgiving. You know, he loved to do stuff that, you know, teenage boys do. You know, he liked to, you know, get out and camp. And, um, you know, every friend I've talk to if he says you know when when I was down Jonathan made me laugh he was there for me so he was there you know for his friends he was loyal Jonathan and his friend Stephen had gone to eat at China King and I've heard a couple different versions of the story of what they went to do after so I thought I'd just let you kind of get into that a little bit well okay from what I had gathered was uh I was told that, you know, they went to China King first to eat. Then they uh, both shot this gun because Stephen had told the investigator that his prints would be on the weapon because, you know, he shot it too. And then that uh, Jonathan was playing around with the gun and it went off. Jonathan is right-handed. This was a direct left contact wound. Um there were um, the gum on the 911 call was in the back seat of the vehicle. And then on the police report, it was outside on the driver's side in the driveway. So there are some contradictions between what was on the police report and... Yeah. Um, 
And, and so no, uh, no gunpowder residue was taken. The vehicle was not seized. Uh, no pictures were took, basically. And um, I know the um, investigator did lose his job for gross negligence on Jonathan's case. Cell phone records were not gone through. And I did see body cam footage of this. And it wasn't in the autopsy report, but Jonathan had, um, his neck was broken. Um, the car was still running when the cops got there. Um, I've heard so many things, you know, you never, you never know what to believe because, you know, people just, just talk about stuff all the time. But Jonathan, Christmas Eve, he told me he was scared for his life. Did he say why? He, he wouldn't tell me why, but he was upset. And, um, we prayed together and, um, you know, he said he wanted to turn his life around, but he, he did say, Mom, you know, I'm scared for my life. So, you know, come to find out, we're hearing there's two new prints on the gun that are unidentified. And uh, visibly, John had no gunpowder residue on him. Where did this gun come from? I'm not really sure. Um, I don't know if it was Stevens. I don't know if it was Jonathan's. I've heard... It was Stevens, and they were just playing around, you know, with it. But I, I, I really okay. don't have a clue did where where Stephen it was ever from. say? Did you get a chance to talk to Stephen or his mom? Stephen kept saying it was Jonathan's, but what uh, leads me not to believe that is that I know we had to deal with Jonathan's grandfather's gun, and you know, Jonathan had, it, it was taken, and we said bring it right back, and Jonathan did bring it back. And when I asked his son why did you do that, he said, "Mom, I'm scared for my life." So I don't I'm, I don't believe it was John's gun. Do we know who the gun was registered to, or if the gun was registered to anyone? I don't know. Say so the police never did tell me that. I think the serial numbers were scraped off of it. Uh, but no, I never got that information. Is it still an open case? Yeah, it's still open. Uh, the TBI has the gun, and um, a TBI expert has reviewed. As far as I know, he was at an appeal hearing for the investigator and he said so much was in this case was done wrong that we might never know unless we get a confession what kind of gun was it and what what caliber was it it was a 22 revolver was john inside the car when law enforcement arrived uh yes he was inside the car from what i could see um they pulled him out of the vehicle and um like I said, they said his net was broke, but yeah, he was still inside. He was on the passenger side. So it wasn't in the autopsy that his neck was broke? No, it was not in the autopsy. It was in the autopsy that it was a direct contact wound. And when I asked Stephen what happened, he said Jonathan was twirling the gun around and it went off. And I said, well, there's just no way. He would have had to have been twirling the gun around with his left hand, which doesn't make sense because he was right-handed. And he would have had to have been twirling it around behind his head because wasn't the gunshot wound, it was it was through kind of the back behind his left ear, right? Yeah, kind of like execution style, which, you know, lays me to believe that somebody was in the back seat. Uh, Stephen had took Jonathan Sims' car also. Interesting. The only person you know of being in the car is Stephen, correct? Yeah. I had two, two things to add or, or ask. One is... If someone, if your friend just got shot and hurt in the front seat of a vehicle, wouldn't you, and he was still alive, wouldn't you try to be offering first aid or something and get him out of the vehicle and lay him straight on the ground to try and help him? I've heard so many things, you know, but it's just because 
when I, and I asked Stephen what had happened, he would look down at the ground. He would not look me in the eye. He's refused four polygraph tests. You know, accident or not, you know, we just want to know what happened. But if a thorough investigation had been done, like it was supposed to, we wouldn't know. So you're saying that they did not run ballistics on the gun? Not at first, no. Okay, eventually they did. Um, they said they dumped the cell phone records, and they did not. They lied about that. That was not done. Like I said, gunpowder raised you was not done. And from the while I saw on the body cam, Stephen had time to go in his home, wash his hands, change his clothes, because the car was not t- taken. And no blood, blood splatter, rate, nothing was taken. They didn't even run forensics on the vehicle? No. Whose car was it, Heather? The car belonged to Stephen's uncle. And they just let him keep the car your son died in? They did, actually. Uh, and I didn't notice it at the time because I was so upset. He drove the car in the funeral possession. That's one of the worst things I've ever heard. So what else did they screw up in this investigation? So many clues. And, you know, and I was thinking about it when I was, you know, holding his hand at the med. He didn't have any, you know, you're thinking he would have blood on his arms or something or, or under his neck, and he didn't. You know, there's just little things that I noticed. Um, but I know when he said, when he had told me and he was really scared, Mom, I'm scared for my life. I, I know somebody did this to him. And something that really bothered me on the body, Stephen, you could say Stephen paced in the car, like in shock. Now, Stephen's uncle was trying to apply pressure on, on John. But they didn't try to get him out of the car. They drug him out of the car like a sack of potatoes and threw him on the gurney and said, oh, his neck is broke. They did not try to secure his neck or anything else. Is it the police department or the sheriff's department that has jurisdiction over this case? It's the Newburn Police Department. I did know notice in the um, the State Gazette in the Dyer County area that uh, the Newburn Police Department was asking for anyone with information to please contact them, and that was in the past six months to a year. So I know that they're still working it. Well, I guess they better because. If they've lost all the tangible evidence, then about the only way they're going to solve this case is if people come forward and tell what they know. Hey, Heather, do you have the full autopsy with the pictures and everything, or do you just have the summary report? Yeah, there's a, well, there's like, like drawings, you know, that they let me read at the police department. But I wasn't allowed. I'm not. I wasn't allowed to get copies. I wasn't allowed to take it out of the police department because they said it was an open investigation. So then, do you have any idea at all how his neck got broken? Did they discuss it on the body cam footage? When the EMT opened the door, that's what they kept saying. And then I thought, well, surely they'll, you know, will secure his neck, you know. And they didn't say, and I'm. I've done, you know, some research, and the bullet went straight up into his brain, and you know, kind of like ricocheted. So I could, I don't understand how it would break his neck. Well, I'm not a medical expert, so I have no idea if this is even possible. But I wonder if maybe the bullet could have severed his vertebrae somehow. What I did read, it was just like a. Uh, you know, I know it, I remember it saying blunt force trauma. 
you know, to, uh, like somebody, uh, put that gun up to his neck with some force is what the doctor had said. But you've got Stephen telling you that Jonathan actually shot himself by accident, right? Is that, is that the story you're getting? That's correct. That's what they're saying. And you know, I've heard a lot, a lot of stories, but I'm thinking his last, he had talked to his sister on Messenger at like, I don't know, maybe 10, 20 something. And this happened maybe like nine minutes later, this happens. So then, you know, I've also heard that he's, you know, called somebody and said, look, I'm in trouble. Come and get me. And wouldn't nobody go get him. Does the autopsy have it listed as an accidental shooting? Now it says, it, it just says undetermined. Well, is law enforcement telling you that your son accidentally shot himself? I don't think it is their belief that he, that he did this. They, they, you know, they're pretty much believing the other way around that Stephen accidentally did it or did it. But, you know, it's just something that's been two years. Um, can't, you know, they can't get the um, fingerprints. They can't, it's always, it's always something, you know. It sounds like just a lot of lost evidence. Yeah, and it's stuff that even I could come up with and call and ask about. But, you know, we have to really stay in touch and stay on top of it. But, you know, Stephen is in jail right now for meth trafficking. Oh, interesting. Do you know if uh, Jonathan, was Jonathan using drugs? I, I hate to ask that, and I'm sorry, but. Uh, that's fine. Uh, yes, he was. But um, we had talked Christmas Eve, and he said, uh, actually, he was going to go to rehab the day after Christmas. He wanted to go into the Marines. He wanted to turn his life around. We had already had this planned. So that must have been what he meant when he said he wanted to turn his life around, right? Yes, yes. He said that. Uh, and, you know, we, I just said, spend one more Christmas with me. And I said, oh, my gosh, I just let him go. Uh, but he was scared and he wanted to turn his life around. Oh, okay. Well, do you feel like the New Bern Police Department is doing their job now in investigating your son's murder? Yeah, they are working. They're, they're, they're very short-staffed. And the, the ladies that I'm working with, you know, they're, uh, I, you know, with the virus putting everything on hold right now, um, no, I, I guess they're doing the best that they can, but, you know, it's been a long two years and it's been, you know, heck for my family. You know, we want, we want some answers because we know Jonathan didn't do this. It's just too much that says he didn't. Have you ever thought possibly there, like you said, there was a third person in the car and Stephen was not the one who actually shot the gun. However, the person that actually shot him was um t has threatened Stephen with his life yeah oh yeah yeah definitely I you know I thought about that and um like I said I just uh it's I think if somebody you know refuses a polygraph test they won't look you in the eye and uh whether you know and, it, you know, it, Stephen might have accidentally did it. But, you know, you know we just need, we want to know. We need some answers. It's, I don't think Jonathan can rest until we get some answers. You know, and, and he's got, 
he's got a little boy and I'll, you know, I don't know what to tell him. I have to, you know, so I'm like, what am I going to tell him about his dad, you know, when he asks? My whole world was taken away from me, my life, you know, and, um, but I just, I just want to know who did this to my son. Right. I mean, even if it's an accident, you just need somebody to come forward and tell you exactly what happened. Yeah. To know, hey, because, you know, um, at the funeral, Stephen was very emotional and he kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I said, I said why do you keep saying you're sorry, you know? And, you know, that's, that's the feeling I have, you know. I would want to think that he would never do this on purpose and it was an accident. But like I said, I mean, who's to say there wasn't anybody in the back side of the court? Right. I yeah. I'm I'm starting to think that that there's a was a third person, which you I think several years ago, how long ever it was we met, it was it's been almost two years, um, when when we met, that you always kind of thought there was a third person in that vehicle behind Jonathan. Heather, I'm actually wondering if it even happened in Stephen's uncle's driveway. Did anybody say that they heard gunshots? Some people said they did, and some people said that they did not, that they just heard the car screech in the driveway and Stephen get out, which makes me think Jonathan was shot at a different location and put in the car. What does Stephen's uncle say about it all? He's not... He's not saying much about it. Um, now, he did try to, you know, uh, assist Jonathan by, you know, holding pressure until the police got there. But he's real standoffish about it. He, that's, he really won't say anything about it. Heather, would you like to say something to anybody out there who might have information about your son's death? Yes, I'd like to say, please, if you have any, if you have any information at all, come forward. Because, um, you know, um, one thing Jonathan was taught, you know, was to be loyal. And he would, um, he would stick up for somebody in a heartbeat. Um, he was loved by so many. We loved him so much. We still love him. Um, our family can't rest at all. Jonathan can't rest at all. And, um, if you have anything, any information at all, um, a place coming forward, you know, if you, you can con- you can contact me somehow, the police department, just any th- any smallest th- detail at all would help. Heather, thank you so much for your courage to come on and speak with us today about your son's death. And we will continue to pray for you that you will get answers and just keep fighting for justice and never lose hope, okay? Thank you so much. And thank you, Justice Warriors, for joining us today. If you have information pertaining to the death of Jonathan Trumbull, please contact the New Bern Police Department at 731-627-2571 or Crime Stoppers at 731-285-8477. If you'd like to reach us here at HMC Investigations, you may do so by email at hmcinvestigations at gmail.com or through our Justice Warriors Facebook page. Until next time, keep fighting for justice.
It is our duty to shine the light of truth, to bring justice to the restless souls whose lives were lost to their hands. Rise up against the evildoers of this world so that their souls may have peace. We will not surrender. 